0: Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. And we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, we're moving ahead, moving forward. Bet you thought I was going to say Ephesians 1 again, but no, huh? Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're at, and uh, let's join together for prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we're, we come before You, and Father God, we realize we're unworthy of Your love, we're unworthy of of uh, Your presence in our life, and yet You allow us to have a relationship with You that is born of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we praise You and we exalt You for uh, the great privilege it is to be a child of God. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to learn of our walk with You and learn of uh, our relationship with You so that we might uh, be uh, the fervent uh, and effective uh, body of Christ in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In your Bible, and uh, as we've been going through this study, we look through all of chapter 1 for these past several weeks about... Uh, what God's plan is for us. And we saw the plan of God and we talked about how we uh, were... uh, God's plan for humanity began in eternity past in which we talked about the fact that God predestined us and chose us to have a relationship with Him. And and if you really think about it and if you really uh, 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 consider the the whole... uh, aspect of of God's love. Uh, When did God shed His love on you? When did God profess His love to you? Was it at the cross of Calvary? Was it at, uh, uh, when you were born? Was it when you uh, gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ? No, I, I contend, and I believe Paul here uh, contends the same thing, that God professed His love for you initially in eternity past when He chose and selected you, and before He even said, Let there be light... God demonstrated His love towards you in that He determined that He would create mankind, create humanity, and thus by providing a way for your life... In spite of the fact that he knew that humanity would sin, in spite of the fact that he knew and realized that man would uh, shun him and and, uh, not want to follow after God's desire, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet before we were even created, I believe, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But I believe also that God determined that Christ would pay the penalty, that that He would have to provide the uh, the means of salvation. And so we talked about here at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 1 of how God... Predestined, chose that He would uh, exhibit this love towards us, and and uh, His plan would uh, included the the choosing of mankind, of choosing to send uh, Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our salvation. And God's desire is that all man would have uh, uh, salvation. Uh, uh, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for all mankind, not just those who accepted Jesus Christ. And God's gift of salvation is for all who would accept. But His desire is is that we would select that out of free will. And and so uh, that's the hard part that we have with understanding predestination when we also have free will. But for god that 's not difficult. He simply chooses to to express his love to all mankind uh, that we might have salvation and Then uh, we saw that in the present that God is uh, working out our salvation, that God is redeeming us, that God is is uh, wor- at work within us to uh, to change and to transform us into the creation that uh, that God desires for us to be. Uh, I feel like uh, if you want to look at it in this sense that uh, mankind was broken because of sin mankind was uh, humanity was uh, was uh, defected as a result of sin in, in our lives and God is making us back into the play, uh, position, the the creation that He desired for us to be. Once we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and life, God is transforming us into a new creation. Old things are passed away, all things are new, uh, as God is changing and transforming us. And then uh, we see that in the future that God has an inheritance for us and that, uh, that we uh, join into that inheritance into the future and then last week we talked about how uh, we are all in Christ, that we have the power uh, of, of God within us in Christ Jesus, that it is in Christ Jesus that uh, that we have uh, been given this new opportunity to glorify God and, to, and to, uh, to have this transformation because of the power which is brought upon us in Christ Jesus. Um, He even says, remember in verse 19, he says, "...and what is the exceeding greatness of His power..." toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He hath wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him on His right hand uh, in the heavenly places. We receive the great power of God, the same power that that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that elevated Jesus Christ to the right hand of the Father is the same power that God works in us to change and transform us into the new creation that He desires desires for us to be. So now we look at chapter 2 and chapter 2 is after having an understanding of God's plan for us. We see in chapter 2 God's Plan of salvation for humanity, and this is as clear as it can be. Uh, the plan of salvation. If you ever need to share salvation with someone, and you can't think of a, a verse, uh, this is where you can turn as well uh, to uh, to illustrate and under uh, to demonstrate what God is doing in our life. Listen, uh, we're going to look at the first ten verses, and He said, "You hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin." Wherein the time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh... "...fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature uh, the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherein he, uh, with He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, ordained, that we should walk in them." Wow, what a statement. What a a transforming understanding of what uh, we experience in our life. And and unfortunately, uh, people have the wrong idea. Of salvation, I've hit on this a little bit before, but let me just share with you. Uh, for some people, they believe that once they get saved, their kind of uh, their life kind of goes on hold, and they're in a holding pattern, a waiting plan. That they see that salvation is only two aspects: that salvation is about setting them free from their sin, and then uh, an eternity of being with God in heaven. Now, those are some; uh, those are aspects of. our salvation but that's not all that salvation is and we need to understand Paul here is trying to help us to understand what does it mean to be in Christ if we're in Christ Jesus if we are a part of the body if we are uh, made and transformed into a new creation what is that creation why are we in that creation why are we in Christ why are we why is God doing all of this in us and so Paul sets to establish uh, what it is that that God has done in our lives and helps us to understand what does it mean to have salvation in our life what well, is it uh, and you know it, it depending on when you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, a lot of people have the idea that, okay, uh, getting saved is about coming to a decision about the fact that that you understand that you have sin in your life, that you need a Savior, and you simply come and walk down the aisle... You shake the hand of the pastor. You stand up in the front of the church. Tell everybody you want to be saved and that, you're, uh, that you give your heart and life to Jesus. And then everybody comes and hugs your necks, kiss you on the cheek. And then a, a Sunday or two later, you or sometimes that very same Sunday, it, depending on the particular church, you get dunked in some water and then you get, uh, 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 you're all of a sudden uh, in a different classification of people within the church. And boom, that's it. And you're just simply waiting around until you die and then God's going to take you to heaven. Well, that that is some of the things that happen with salvation, but that's not what salvation's all about. And Paul is here trying to explain to uh, the church at Ephesus uh, and to us through the work of the Holy Spirit in, uh, in Paul's life of, of writing this and being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this to help us to understand what does it mean? What is it that, that God is doing in us? Look at there in verse 1 again. It says, And ye, and you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin." You need to first understand that that salvation is about bringing to life that which was dead, and so many of us have the impression or the thought that uh, that when we're uh, in our life that we're okay until we sin our first sin, but reality is, is that we 're born into sin that's why we sin. Uh, the illustration was made that uh, that You don't become a murderer because you go out and murder someone. You are a murderer already in your heart. That's why you have the inclination to go out and to take someone's life and that you uh, come to the point of desiring to murder someone and uh, then take someone's life. Now, we don't punish people for murder until they actually commit murder but you don't become that person Uh, you are a sinner born into sin you are a sinner by birth and that's the reason why you sin it's not uh that you become a sinner because you all of a sudden uh sin uh at your first sin we the bible tells us that we are born into adam the first adam Born into sin. And then uh, we are given the opportunity to be born into the second Adam. That's Jesus Christ. Uh, That is a new life. And so, (coughs) excuse me. Paul here says that we uh, have been quickened. Now, if you've been in a, uh, a church this age, a church with a population of members Uh, of this uh, particular type uh, it's without a doubt that all of us have experienced a funeral before Uh, whether it's a funeral of someone that you know in the community or a funeral of someone in your family uh, uh, what is one of the main characteristics about the person that's in the coffin they're dead right they have no more life they are dead because they are no longer have any of the uh, the uh responses or the uh activities of a body that's living they're uh, and unfortunately, some folks have uh been in the hospital and they uh don't die suddenly and they uh they are people who are progressively marching towards death's door and it begins when uh, different organs within their body begin to shut down. Uh, their, uh, their liver shuts down. Their kidneys fail. Their, uh, their lungs begin to, to fail. And all of these things are all indications that, that this person is on death's doorstep because their, their body is no longer reacting like a living body. Right? Their body is dead at, at a certain point uh, when usually uh, we consider a person uh, to be uh, completely dead at the cessation of Brain waves, which is usually shortly after the heart fails and no longer can uh, pump oxygen throughout the body uh, in the blood, and, and uh, the brain dies out shortly afterwards because of the fact that it's no longer getting uh, oxygenated blood uh, flowing through the body and uh, into the, uh, all the nervous systems and everything in the body fail and cease. Uh, there's different aspects of death. Uh, some, some equate it simply with uh, heart failing, but well, uh, wham, bam, we've got heart replacement surgery. We've got uh, mechanical hearts. We've got uh, people uh, living with pacemakers and defibrillators that shock the heart and get it to go on again. So to the point where uh, even if your heart fails, it, uh, we can keep that heart going or get you a new one and replace it so that you can continue to live well uh, we had to come up with another standard for when life uh, ends and for a lot of people it's uh, like i said when that brain function ceases but unfortunately there's some people that that are brain dead they're still on all these machines their body is being kept alive but there's no activity within their brain Um, regardless those are the aspects of, of when we determine that a body is no longer living. When is it that our spirit is dead? Our spirit is dead when we're born into, our, uh, into this world and we are not uh, living as a spiritual being. We're living as a physical being. We're living uh, as, uh, 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 under the, the curse of sin. And what does the Bible say about someone uh, who sins? The wages of sin is death. So if, when we're born, we don't have Jesus Christ within us. We're not alive in Christ Jesus. We're spiritually dead. And Paul says that uh, in our uh, life we were dead, but he, but Jesus Christ comes into our life, and he quickens us. Quickening is a uh, word meaning to bring to life. So we were brought to life, those of us who were dead in our trespasses and sin, wherein times past ye uh, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit uh, that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. So he says that, that we, are, uh, we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our, uh, in our relationship to God. Now our bodies were living, but he's saying it's as if our spirit was dead. Our spirit was dead because why? We, uh, there's two words here that demonstrate what it means to be a, a sinner. Uh, the first one is a word that you're probably familiar with in terms of, uh, demonstration of what, uh, uh being a sinner is, and that's the, uh, archery term talking about, uh, we're, uh, uh, we have missed the mark. We have missed uh, God's desire for our life. We have—it's the the uh, word that is related to in uh, archery shooting a, an arrow and missing the bullseye, missing the target. We have missed the mark of what God desires for our life, and and as a result, we are sinners. We're not what God desired for us because we're not living as we're supposed to. And the other word is a word that's related to stumbling or falling. And and, and in essence, that's what sin is as well. He says, not only have we missed the mark, but we have stumbled, we have fallen, we have fallen by the wayside, we have... Uh, it 's like uh, when you 're driving down the highway and you uh, uh drift on the on the road a little bit and you go a little bit too close to the edge and your tire drops off the side of the road and you're all of a sudden now you're uh you 've fallen off the road you 've come off the road and you 've got to slow down and or come to almost a stop so you can safely come back onto the road well that 's a quick fix for uh, when you 're driving down the road and you 've uh, uh gotten to a part of the road that 's degraded and you 've gone off the edge of the road and maybe you 're not like me where you uh uh swerve every once in a while when you drive but uh uh but if you if you 've done that you 've fallen off you 've uh uh you 've transgress the road in essence and that's what we do when we sin we have fallen we've uh, we've stumbled off and God needs to bring us back into a right uh, standing on the road of righteousness and and so Paul says uh, uses a combination of these two words as to what Jesus Christ does for us when we uh, are sinners uh, we are we have Uh, been living in death in our trespasses and sin. We're walking according to the course of this world. We're living uh, like walking dead men. Uh, uh, We're walking around in this world with sin in our life. We're doing the things of this world. We're uh, living according to the desires and the mandates of this world. We're living in sin. And so we're dead uh, in Christ Jesus because of the fact that we're living in According to the world, listen to the things that, uh, that we are a part of. According to the prince and the power of the air. So we know we're not living under the allegiance of God. We're living under the allegiance of uh, the, the prince and the power of the air, Satan himself. We're living according to his uh, plan for our life and we're uh, the spirit that is now working in the ch- uh, children of disobedience, this spirit, the power of uh, prince and the power of the air of this world, Satan has caused us to be the children of darkness, the children of this world, that we're in disobedience to God, and we're not living according to what God desires for us, and how are we doing that? He says, we have in our conversation times past the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and, we, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And so we're living according to the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, the, uh, the lust of our uh, life is, is, is spirit. Our spirit is desiring after the things of this world, desiring after the sinfulness of the world. Why? Because we're dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. And if that was the end of the message, if that was the end of the verse, uh, we would feel as though we're hopeless and without any uh, measure of desire of being able to get back in a right relationship with God. But but the next verse begins by saying what? It says, but God, God saw our deadness. God saw our degrading uh uh, life. God saw the fact that we were dead, but God who is rich in mercy, but God because of His great love, but God because of His desire to, uh, to show His love for us, even while we were dead in our sins, God is the one who has brought us to life. It is God and because of His love, because of His mercy, that we're no longer dead. It is because of God's great love for us. (laughs) What a beautiful verse to have on Valentine's Day. God's love for us has brought us back to life, but God has, uh, when we were dead in our sins, hath brought us back to life, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. It is because of God's love. It is because of His mercy that He has shown us His grace. See, it's God's grace that allows us to be uh, uh, quickened, to be brought back to life, but it is because of His mercy. He had to show us mercy first and show us love in order to then extend to us His grace. It is through his grace that we are saved. He says, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so, here's the here's Here's what Paul is saying: is not only is the fact that we were dead and we were completely uh, subservient to the lusts of this world, to the lusts of our bodies, and and we were living in our sinfulness and living in a and disobedience to God and living in a way that was disgraceful to God. But God showed, uh, in the midst of all of that, God showed His grace, His mercy, His love towards us so that we would be able to be raised again to be brought back to life and how we brought back. He says in the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, God raised us from our death and allowed us to live just as Jesus Christ is alive today because of being raised from the dead and no longer uh, uh, in the grave, we are no longer dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, dead in our lusts, dead in our disobedience. We have been brought back to life to sit at the right hand of the Father with Jesus Christ uh, and we are alive again. We are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, we're no li- when we accept Jesus Christ into our life, when Jesus Christ comes into us, that is the beginning of eternal life. When we accept Jesus Christ, we've now begun... Uh, listen, if you have Jesus Christ, when you accepted Jesus Christ, at any point after that, are you going to have death? Well, this old fleshly body is going to die, but guess what? Your spirit is no longer dead. It will never be dead again. It's never going to experience eternal death. It's never going to be, uh, experience any more ever again separation from God because God has brought you back to life. You're never going to die in your spirit. And so, for that reason, from the point in which you accepted Jesus Christ, whether it's when you were seven or eight years old or when you were 70 years old, whenever it was, you are now living eternally because you will always be in the presence of God. You are always in the presence of Jesus Christ. You are always, (coughs) excuse me, a child of God from that point on. And for that reason, your life is just beginning. Eternity is just beginning in which you can live you are, are to live for Jesus Christ. That in the ages of, to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For all eternity, God is going to show his exceeding riches of His grace towards us through Christ Jesus. And then the verse that we're all so familiar with, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast, for we are His workmanship. Now you get that? You are created by God and recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So when you get Jesus Christ in your life, your life is so much more than just simply freedom from the shackles of the bondage of sin. And that is such a beautiful image and it is such a wonderful image. Uh, I'm not trying to discount the fact that you have been set free. You are set free. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and life, you are unchained and unfettered. You are no longer bound to sin. You are no longer bound to the lusts of this world and the lusts of your flesh and the things that cause you to be a child of disobedience no longer have disobedience dominion in your life because Jesus Christ is in you. Jesus Christ is is brought you back to life and Jesus Christ has caused you to have life and to have life everlasting. That is beyond the simple life of this world, but life that exists for eternity with God. Because we are in Christ Jesus, we are with Christ. That we are, uh, and and so, what is that life? Why are we uh, living? Why are we alive? Why is it that God has done this? It's because we're to live in Christ Jesus to give glory to God. To glorify God, throughout Scripture we see time and again in, uh, glimpses of heaven, glimpses of of existence in heaven. Oh, you don't have to uh, read any of those books about uh, forty-seven minutes in heaven and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know about any of those things. We already know what heaven is like. We've seen it in Scripture. We've seen where uh, uh, different ones in Scripture have have been. Elevated to heaven and have seen what it's like. Uh, all the angels are standing around the throne of God, and where they're singing, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty." That is glorifying God. And guess what? Heaven is not going to be about worrying about what the streets are made of or how big our mansion is or anything like that. Heaven is going to be spending all eternity in the presence of God singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We are to glorify God. And guess what? We need to begin by doing a little bit of that now. We need to begin by doing that in our everyday life. And Paul points that out. He says, we're living by grace, God's grace, through the faith in Jesus Christ. Not not because we've done something, but as, as a gift of God. Not because we are uh, to work things out because we don't need to, uh, to try and boast ourselves. But we are... God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. We've been called to walk in the goodness of Christ. We've been called to be a child of God. And the reason why sin is so wrong and so bad for us as a Christian is because you can't glorify God in disobedience. You can't glorify God in sinfulness. You can't give God the glory in your life when you are contradicting what God desires for you and what God desires. You can't glorify God in unrighteousness. And so all of our lives should be living, doing good doing the good works that he's talked about that he's ordained that God has set aside set apart the activity the lifestyle that God has set apart we're to live and walk in that why so that we would glorify God in what we do that we would glorify God and 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 profess to the world through our actions that God has changed us that God has transformed us, that God is working in us. We can't keep sinning in our everyday life. We can't continue to disobey God because it doesn't bring glory to God. It doesn't demonstrate that our life is different, that God has brought us back to life. Again, what's the... what's the uh, What is the uh, overall trait of a dead body? It doesn't react. It doesn't have life. What is the overall trait of a living, breathing body? A living body is, it is active. It is reactive. It does things. It lives in a certain way. It lives. We can't be a a Christian if we've been uh, brought back to life, if we're not living, if we're dying in our sin. We must be alive in Christ. We must be about the things, the good works, the things which God has ordained and how we should walk. Well... That's what it is to be a Christian. That's what the difference between simply just walking the aisle and shaking a hand and, and saying, hey, I want to be a member of the church and getting dunked in some water. And all of those things are meaningful and significant when it's accurate and true as to what you're doing. But if you've not been brought to life by the power of Jesus Christ you're not alive you're still dead in the coffin you can say you're alive you can be propped up and people can lift your arm and act like you're alive but you're still dead you're not alive until you've been given life And you're not given life until you have Jesus Christ within you to quicken your life through His mercy, through His love, and by His grace. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise You and thank You so much for the life that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that You would cause us to understand that being a Christian is more than just simply signing their name on a dotted line or or having a membership in a church or something like that, that it's all about Your bringing us to life. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that needs Jesus Christ in them, that they're the walking dead and still don't have Christ in them. Lord, that they would be quickened by the power of Your mighty hand through the blood of Jesus Christ that they might have new life, that they might live that new life as You've called us to live, that You would help us to share the love of Christ. Lord, there's people out in this world that we know that they're still dead in their trespasses, dead in their sin. Lord, help us to be burdened for their lives. Lord, help us to go out and to find them, to bring them back to the right understanding of Your love and a relationship with You. Lord, help us to be the church You've called us to be, to be people of life, life in Christ, the people that are searching for those who are in darkness bringing them to the light of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.